Welcome to Only Real Fans. I'm your host, Brian Riley, and for today's episode, Dylan and I are talking about guilty pleasure movies, specifically Beverly Hills Cop 3, and one that we hold near and dear to our hearts, The Adventures of Pluto Nash, Man on the Moon. talk about two of the best films ever made two highlights of eddie murphy's career the adventures of pluto nash and beverly hills cup three yeah how do you want the to build this one? one are we are we building this one as a um, guilty pleasures or an eddie murphy month because i feel like it's not represent it's not really representing eddie murphy's career at least not the better parts of his career i'd say i'd say appreciating the low points of eddie murphy's career the low points yeah interesting yeah when you well, texted they're me certainly that you thought, not the high points when you texted me that you thought that beverly hills cop 3 was bad i was i was shocked because when i watched it again i was like nah i still love it man it's still great uh, maybe because you grew up on it like that was my first time watching the whole series like the whole trilogy and i That's loved true. one and two and i thought that three would take the campiness of two and make it even more over the top and it did with the setting, but none of I felt like half the jokes didn't land and Eddie Murphy was playing a totally different character. That's what I noticed the most of actually when um, when I watched it again. Yeah. When I watched it again, I was actually kind of surprised that the character in Beverly Hills Cop 3 may as well have been a totally different person. It was not Axel Foley that I'm used to seeing, you know. Um, but I, I haven't seen the first and second one in so long, but I remember as a kid growing up, I always thought that they were really underrated because the first one's rated so well and the second one is rated really badly. Um, but I love the second one. I think it's great. And I think that might've actually strengthened as to why I thought the third one's fantastic. Although when I think about the premise of the third one, it's ridiculous. This like, like a cop, a theme park concept just seems so stupid. Well, like a theme park the the guy is a cop but he's also the head of security at a theme park and i just didn't understand how that intertwined him with like the police force and well, he's not a cop he's not like he's not but a, like he's he not, was at the he, same he time he's getting yeah. he's getting honored by the police but he's like not a cop and he's like very much so his own thing it was made no sense that weirdly enough was like the thing that was the most believable to me that he was a cop and then like became a security guard because i think that's kind of normal but what wasn't believable was the fact that he was like 35 years old. Like he was a retired police officer and now he went into the, the basically the mall cop business. Like, right. The other but thing he was that, still getting honored. And like, he's, he was still like, they were making it seem like he was still, he still is a cop. He just happens to be copping about in the theme park rather than like a city. Yeah, and also honestly, also the theme park that they're using is just so not good enough. It's for, just like bad Disney. Bad it's Disney just a land. bad Disney. It's not a good Disney, and that honestly also kind of turned me off from the whole idea that like uh, they they wouldn't have such a crazy security force, right? And also the uh, there's so many scenes that were like were pretty cool, lasted like way too long. Like the one where he's on the the it wasn't a ferris wheel but it was like it was a ride and he was running away from like the security guys and it started breaking and he's trying to save the kid that felt like it took a half hour 
And the movie's only an hour 40. It honestly felt like, the, like, all right, look, when I say it's like my guilty pleasure, it's a movie that I actually enjoy because it's funny to me. But there's a lot of points in that movie where I think this is just lazy writing. This is just really lazy writing. Like um, uh, when he shoots the gun up in the air to get away from the police, from the security guards. I'm like, that's just oh, yeah. so dangerous to do in a, a theme park in general. Like That's just bad writing. Movies like that wouldn't be able to be made nowadays. That was really a lazy movie. Um, but I don't know. It's kind of enjoyable the way it's just so cavalier about movie making like who gives a shit like we just want to see eddie murphy make some jokes and like we want to see uh george lucas try to get on the ferris wheel like that's all we want in our in our uh film for this you know how much did he it did, gross? he did he didn't get on the ferris no wheel. he never got on the ferris wheel how much did it gross uh good i mean i'm sure there's pull up the clip let's see let's see it uh oh wow 119.2 million on a 70 million budget jesus christ <laughs> oh my god yeah that's fucking crazy um that's, and that's so high that's so high i know is the guy who uh the guy who directed it he didn't do either of the first two like that's the thing like it was such a i felt like I don't know the studio whoever owned Beverly Hills Cop like the franchise was just like hmm we need money and how do we do that let's uh let's just bring back Eddie Murphy to Beverly Hills Cop and we're gonna have barely anyone from the first two on it besides him and Judge Reinhold and we're not even gonna bring back the same composer who made the theme song and they just rolled with it how much wait who is the who is the guy that directed the the third one John Landis. John John Landis. What else has he done? Um, I think he's done another Eddie Murphy movie or two, but not, not um, he didn't do like you know the other two. I mean, he coming to America. So wait, he did coming. Wait, what? Yeah, Trading Places, Coming to America, Three Amigos, Animal House. This is the guy that did Beverly Hills Cop Three. Yeah, only the third one. It was his, uh, yeah. Okay, there is, I'm looking up Matthew And he did Brett. Thriller, holy shit. He directed Thriller in, in black or white for Michael Jackson. I'm looking up the guy who did the first one. I'm looking up the guy who did the first one, Martin Brest, and he's got nothing, like, as a, no good accolades. Wow. He did the first Beverly Hills Cop and then going in style. Um, war games. Tony Scott did the second one. What's Tony Scott done? I feel like I watched something that he did. Oh, we did Top Gun. That's what Top Gun. Yep. Oh, what? Oh, he died. Oh shit. True Romance. R.I.P. Man. Oh, True Romance. Wait, Tony Scott did True Romance. Yeah. Wait, and oh shit, he's the younger brother of uh, Ridley Scott. Oh, oh, oh. Oh yeah. Oh, that's cool. Wow, team. no, wait, he did a lot, man. True Romance, Crimson Tide's also pretty famous. Enemy of the State's a fantastic Will Smith movie. Man on Fire's also great. Have you seen any of those? No. I've listened to Enemy of the State and Luke Cage. 
No, you should definitely um, you should definitely um, watch Enemy of the State with Will Smith. It's a really good movie. And um, uh, Man on Fire with uh, uh, Denzel Washington. That's sick. That's like about him being a bodyguard in a love a good Denzel movie. Dude, that one's like the first Denzel movie I ever saw as a kid. That movie's about like him being a bodyguard for a white girl in like Mexico with like all the kidnappings that go on i guess and like she gets kidnapped and he has to like hunt her down like in a cartel it's fucking young dakota fanning yeah it's young dakota fanning it's really sick i really love that movie that was the first denzel experience i had that was cool i think uh training day really got me into denzel as i feel like it did for most people but like after i saw that movie i was like this guy's fucking awesome i saw that one definitely later um but I liked it. I mean, it was good. It's just, I, it wasn't the first one that I saw. The first one was definitely Man on Fire. I feel like Denzel. Denzel is basically a, if Tom Hanks and Liam Neeson had a kid. And like, he, he can basically do the Tom Hanks, Liam Neeson roles. He, like, fences is super wholesome. Um, and then, like, he can do the equalizer, which is essentially taken. True. However, he's also really good at playing just like he's not an not an action star, but just a good like anti-hero, like um, like American Gangster. Hmm. That's a good point. Actually, I never thought of it that way. So uh, he's uh, anti-hero, like a, yeah. But then I like mean, a, but then is Tom Hanks a good anti-hero because Road to Perdition? I don't really think so. I feel like even in that movie, Tom Hanks is playing a gangster with a conscience. Right. But I, I was saying the anti-hero thing is, is more is more his own thing than it would be like reminiscent of anybody else. Yeah. OK. Fair enough. He's just great at that shit, man. Actually, one of my like favorite kind of just shoot him up movies with him recently was Two Guns with him and Mark Wahlberg. Just enjoyable. Kind of like a nice guys type film. Um, did uh, you see that one? I did not. It's good. It's worth watching. It just blows my mind that he's also like 50. Like, I think he's 65 now. Just looks so good. He is, yeah. He's also um, a lot of people don't really like this movie, but I always kind of liked it. it. Was Safe House with him and Ryan Reynolds? I never it saw just, it. Like, I like tried watching it and I couldn't get through it. It's not like the best movie out there, but I don't know. It like I never lost interest. I don't know. It was like it was very like constantly going. Maybe I should give it. I also watch. saw it in theater, so maybe that gave me a different perception, but. I don't know. I just, uh, it was enjoyable. Was it, did it blow my mind? No, but I liked it. Denzel was really good in it. Yeah. I feel like most Ryan Reynolds movies kind of do that to me. Kind of like, like I'm not that excited for the hitman body, like bodyguard, the hitman's wife's bodyguard or whatever it's called. (laughs) That doesn't look very good. No, I think the thing that threw me off the most on that is when Salma Hayek and, uh, Sam Jackson when she goes like we're trying to have a baby and I'm like dude what like Sam Jackson's 73 years old you're like close to 60 I mean I think you're way too late (laughs) maybe that was the point they're like oh people are gonna think this is so funny because it's like biologically impossible I doubt that's what they're going for I mean like I think what they're going for is that age is changing and I agree but age ain't changing that much. Let's calm ourselves down there for a second. Yeah, you I don't need think some serious is pills the... to be able to uh, make that Fucking, fucking hell, man. Oh, my God. 73 and having a kid. <laughs> Speaking of 73 and having a kid, I believe there is a Beverly Hills Cup 4 in the works. 
why why is that speaking of because it's 73 years old now or because just a just a great transition or a segue to going back to our topic i feel like that i was gonna say that i feel like beverly hills cop 4 is something that i'd be interested in seeing because it would lend itself better to having these characters be old now the only problem is that cops retire like not a lot of cops are still like kicking it at 60 on the streets i think like that's like pretty old to be like a cop, like a beat cop, be or like, like a, a, be detective. Like a chief, chief of yeah, police, yeah, like or a something. chief type thing. I don't, yeah, maybe, maybe it's too old for that now. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's, I don't, it's one of those where it's like every so often you hear like, oh, they're working on it, or like there's an update, but I don't think they've actually started filming. I mean, they're still trying to make twins, or no, sorry, triplets <laughs> with Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy, uh, Danny DeVito, and Eddie, Mur- uh, Eddie Murphy, yeah, Danny Eddie Murphy, DeVito and Eddie Murphy. No, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> Eddie Murphy, and Danny DeVito. That's what I meant. That's but you know what's crazy. crazy about that? I said like year back in college with like a friend of mine. I was talking to a friend of mine, and. As a joke, I said, they're going to make a sequel to Twins and someone like Eddie Murphy is going to be their long lost like triplet. And then I find an article like a year later saying that that's a thing. <laughs> Dude, that's like something that you manifested. Like, so for example, I'm going to you hear that. Do you hear that? Yeah. What was that? That's the TV next door. Like, that's uh, my that's my roommate watching TV. It's so loud. It's so, so If you're loud. watching this roommate, please turn it down. I texted her to ask her to turn it down. It sounds like she turned it up. I don't know if she's watching. <laughs> I'll fucking turn it down for you. Subwoofers on. Christopher Nolan type audio. To all our viewer. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> to, thank- to Tom and maybe Josie. Sorry. Well, now that I'm screen recording it, maybe I could dub over myself later. Um, little ADR. Anyways, what was mm-hmm. I saying? Um, you manifested that. You manifested that triplets movie because I, um, I, no, not that I did anything actually. Something that I've been trying for years that I want to get going is like I keep saying that albums that have not a single bad song in it are called dandies because of the first Dandy Warhol's album. The first Dandy Warhol's album is just so good that, um, this guy I met at a party one time just started saying that I call every album that is like just through and through good a dandy. And I never even heard the first Dandy Warhol's album, actually. I don't even know if it was the first one. I'm pretty sure it was just a random Dandy Warhol's album he's referencing. But I, I like know, I the term so I like the term so much that I just started using it since I was like 17 years old. I was just like, yeah, uh, this album's a dandy. And I've been trying to manifest that like terminology uh, into existence. Like I just want to one day hear a dude go like, yeah, it's a dandy and just understand immediately. Like I might've been one of the founders of that. You like, I want to manifest that, that slang into existence. That's what you did with the movie triplets. You just spoke it. Someone repeated it. And then it got to Eddie Murphy's ears. Siri picked it up on my phone and threw it over to Paramount Pictures or whoever and was like, yo, check this shit out. I mean, have you ever played Six Degrees uh, to Kevin Bacon? Sorry, Six Degrees of Separation? (laughs) Yeah, either way, yes. Either way. If you play that game, you realize the connection to anybody is not that long at all. So it could have very well been that Eddie Murphy heard words that you first uttered and he goes, that's not a bad idea. (laughs) He was walking by my... uh, my suite and uh, at Bryant, my windows just just cracked enough. And he's like, "Hmm, 
Not bad. Wait, why am I here again? <laughs> you know, when I was in college, I walked past Don Cheadle, like, because his daughter went to BU. And I remember walking past him on the street and, like, doing a double take directly in his face, like, as close as I am to these microphones and just going, holy shit, that's Don Cheadle. So, I mean, like, maybe you were talking to me about this idea, you know, and then it passed through Cheadle's ears, which passed through Chris Evans's ears, which passed through the Russo brothers' ears, who are massive fans of Eddie Murphy. And then I have no idea how that would connect, but somehow it connected. I mean, Don Cheadle and Eddie Murphy were never in something together. I could have thought, I feel like they were. Some no, like, I don't think so. Some old, Don, like, think- 2000s comedy or something. You know who Don Cheadle is? You know what his uh, alter ego is? Or his uh, AKA, also known as is? What, Kung Fu Kenny? Ken, Kung Fu Kenny. Yeah. And, I love um, wait, I forget. Oh, Undercover Brother, or is that Eddie Griffith? I don't Can't know that word. I don't know. So like, it's one of those, um, it's kind of like similar vibe to, um, to black dynamite, but way more like campy. I never saw black dynamite. I've seen pieces of it, but not the whole oh thing. Oh my God. Hell of a movie. So funny. You ever watch the Dolomites, my name, Eddie Murphy comeback movie? Oh, going yeah. back on topic that was a great movie man super that's good. like he was great you know if fucking covid didn't get in the way eddie murphy would have had such a comeback i mean he was on his way dude hosting snl putting out some decent ass movies like i even think that coming to america too would have gotten better ratings if it came up it came out on the the murphy sans or whatever you want to call it the eddie sans you know i don't know the the trailers i never i didn't want after i saw the trailer i didn't want to watch it i was excited for it and it just didn't look good really you thought so yeah i was excited for the barbershop scenes well those are classic i mean like my my uh aunt uncle always quote to me the uh, barbershop scene with the soup is one of their favorite <laughs> jokes ever it's such a good joke it's yeah so but funny. like but that's the thing though for something like that like it's such a iconic and like quotable moment in cinematic history would redoing it really be that good you know it's just copy and pasting i guess and especially not. Like really so many so many years later too trying to like get it back like all these reboots that are like just that's aren't an good. interesting conversation that's kind of like how people feel about the friends like reunion and everyone is pissed off that it wasn't actually a reunion episode or like it wasn't what they expected but my argument is kind of that do you really want that like do you really want to touch something that was so special that like it seems to be even more special in its latter years do you want to like fuck that up by like making um, a sequel that's terrible just leave it alone that's what was so great about the seinfeld reunion it happened over a season arc of curb your enthusiasm exactly so like put it into a new show or make it something like different but don't touch the thing that's amazing it's not going away you know, just because there's no new things doesn't mean it's going away. We don't need the fucking, you know, iPhone 20 of friends. We can let it die, dude. We can let it die. It was great and people still enjoy it. Like, why are you fucking with that? I completely agree with that. I think like at some point, <sighs> some things have just like kind of marketed this idea of sequelization. Like they, they, they've become known as the sequels of sequels. Like Fast and Furious will never end until like they all are 80 
Like there's just, like that will continue on. Fast Nine's out in theaters, I guess, like July first, and that will continue on until they're eighty. I actually uh, funny you say that. Ludacris shared some like animation thing that somebody made. It was Fast Ninety Nine, and they're all like super old and getting launched into space, and like like I don't know. Saggy Dude, did you know that they're gonna everywhere. try? To, they're gonna try to take them to space. Yeah, and I'm just I like. Did. And I just keep thinking, like, how did we get here? How did we get from, like, do you remember the first Fast and Furious? I do. It was so good. It was really actually a great film. It was enjoyable. It was, like, very localized, like, kind of just, like, small-time hood gangsters type thing. And it was a good film. I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun, a lot of, like, car chases. And now somehow we've gotten to international car thefts with, like, fighting, like, gangs of, like, like car nuts who like get hired by crazy organizations that have to go to space or Russia to like drive tanks or like take like, fucking even cars dr- out of like, airplanes. The street cars they have are just show pieces. They're props at this point. They're not even being used. They're just, they just happen to be driving them to do things unrelated to driving fast or driving furious. It's, uh, it's honestly Vin Diesel's fault and good idea. Cause like Vin Diesel was the one, I guess, who came up with this new trajectory for the series. Like after fast four, he changed the whole, uh, idea of what the series could be good for him. Cause it's a billion dollar fucking series now, but and it's besides, I, besides being group, it's always really been doing. Yeah. So he works. also bought, he like his deal to come back to fast and furious was to own Riddick out outright to own the series right. Riddick. Which is crazy. Like, he's a good businessman. He's a weird guy. He's a weird guy. <laughs> you see him at interview, right? Or yeah. He, the, where he keeps saying like, that he loves the woman. How am I supposed to do this interview? He's so very beautiful, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. He There's another funny video. I, I don't know what it was. I think it was the, the YouTube channel that uh, did the whole thing on Little Italy. What was it? Let's plug that. Oh, yeah. Like, Drew what's that YouTube is that it drew gooden yeah the yeah okay. i saw that shout out to, sh- yeah shout out to drew gooden and then he did one on vin diesel like just the cringeworthy moments yeah. and my favorite one was like when everyone's sitting around the fire in his backyard and everyone's like oh here goes vin again with the fucking telephone <laughs> like everyone's like not this oh drunk vin again is starting to record videos <laughs> Oh, I get. It. Oh, I love that. God. And when he's recording, he's live streaming in his phone, in his pocket, and he forgets. Oh my God. And then when he his Facebook page has just pictures of what was it, elephants, and him, like he's in this like really weird, like angelic pose, and it's just like with an elephant next to him. It makes no sense. What the fuck, man? What the fuck? Oh, speaking yeah. of space. Speaking of elephants in space, Pluto Nash. An underrated, overlooked piece of beauty. It's a gem, man. It's a gem. Can I be honest with you? Sure. I would have made that my guilty pleasure if you didn't make it your guilty pleasure. My guilty pleasure isn't actually probably Beverly Hills Cop 3. I really like that movie, but I can live without it. Um, But I think what made it pop in my head was that you picked an Eddie Murphy movie and it made me want to pick an Eddie Murphy movie. And that's why I chose it. But if I'm honest, the movie I can't live without is Pluto Nash. If I think back to my childhood, a movie that I love that everyone else hated and was universally hated, it's always Pluto fucking Nash. Uh, I mean, yes, same. I bonded with my... uh 
my old college roommate over Pluronash. We were both the only people who watched it and knew about it and got a kick out of it. It's it's such a fucking special movie when you're a kid. Like it doesn't even come close to the other movies that me and you enjoyed that turned out to be trash when we got older. Like a good example of that is like Starsky and Hutch is not a good movie, but mo- both me and you, the reason I'm bringing that one up is because we watched it with Simon and Emily when we were out there last, right? But both me and you can agree that that movie's not as bad as Pluto Nash. Like we both are very well aware that Pluto Nash is awful, but I can't get a fuck enough of it. I love it so, so much. And like when you watch other movies that are trash, like Starsky and Hutch, you're like, yeah, this is, I enjoy it because I saw it when I was a kid, but it's also not that bad. Like it's an enjoyable movie. It's like a little, it's like a worse Talladega Nights. It's a good movie. It's funny. But Pluto Nash is like just actually just awful. And if I show that to people, they also think it's fucking awful, but I don't. First, I, dude, I will buy all the merchandise from that movie. Absolutely. I have a t-shirt. I remember, did I ever tell you about when I bought the t-shirt? Like I was, I was working at a, at this golf course and I was, I don't know why I went on eBay and just typed in Pluto Nash and this t-shirt popped up that was for like, and it had, you know, it had like the title and the top left corner of the shirt and on the back, it had the club Pluto logo, which honestly, I think it looked off center, but that just, <laughs> that just makes sense. And it said it was like $25 or best offer. So I just, I offered him $10. I offered $10. I was like, nothing related to this movie is worth more than 10. And the guy accepted my offer. He's like, yeah, you got a point. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Okay. Obviously this is, this is an obvious, uh, there's an obvious answer to this question, but what do you think, um, makes me and you love this movie so much and other people not like it? Like, what are the gems that when we look back on, if we saw now, we would be like, oh, this is not good. Like, I'll give you an example. Like I just went to go see a quiet place Two last night. Right. Um, yeah, I didn't like it that much. I actually was kind oh. of upset. No, yeah, you know, it could be better. There's like seriously a lot of holes in the plot for me. There's things that they develop in the story that I think just make a plot hole for the whole franchise. And I'm really critical hmm. about it. Like I realized like my girlfriend's like, it's just a movie. And I'm like, no, but it's, it fucks the whole story. Then why do you hate Pluto Nash? But like, that's the crazy thing, man. Like when it comes to Pluto Nash, like I, I agree. I'm like, well, it's just a fucking movie. But like when I was a kid, like the whole WZW NZM thing is the dumbest fucking realization I've ever seen in a movie that they didn't just think, oh, you just had it upside down. <laughs> like, but when I'm like now watching it, like, yeah, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, it makes sense. It took them days to find that out. It would take me days too to find out. Like they keep like the funniest thing is Eddie Murphy just keeps plugging in WZW in the fucking computer and doesn't ever think to say, well, you know, W upside down is an M like it's another letter. It's not like a T up like TZM. And they're like, oh, well, well, maybe it's this like it's literally you could turn it upside down and some another fucking initial. That's what makes that movie just so enjoyable, though. It's just like everything that they do that they either think is like hilarious or like a huge twist or aha moment falls flat so hard like it just felt like when i watched that movie and like like the big reveal at the end about rex crater 
I just feel like um, Ron Underwood is sitting next to me and staring at me with a smirk on his face, like, bitch, you didn't see that one coming, hot shot. It's like one of those where it's Who like, the no, fuck is Ron I did. He's the director. Oh, shit. Yeah. Just like, I just, I just, one of those where it's like, this guy or like whoever, the people who made this movie just thought these parts were so genius and they just wanted to watch everyone's reaction and agree with them and it just wasn't well, the case. I, mean, I did know that the movie was trying to be made from the 80s so I'm not sure if it went through too many rewrites but the problem with that twist is that there's just no it, it, it did. Well, well I don't know about rewrites. rewrites but the very specific parts are like very much so like 2002 i.e. AOL Smartwater are like the top brands on the moon ads everywhere are just smart water and aol and then their thousand dollar bill or hillary clinton is on it <laughs> i just i'll never forget the line like oh that's a lot of hillary's <laughs> that's a lot of hillary's dude i just think uh, i just think it's honestly it's a it's a prophetic movie it's predicting their future we're going to be run by smart water aol is going to come back and ruin apple and microsoft and hillary clinton is she won't be president but she'll make her own currency i honestly the last one i believe <laughs> the last one i believe but i gotta say the problem with that twist at the end like when you're a kid you're not realizing it but when you like when you watch that movie back there's just not a single goddamn hint that Rex Crater is Pluto Nash. Like, it's not like yeah, it was there like, is. oh, what? They, they say so many times cloning. They talk about cloning so many times. Yeah, but there's nothing about like, was there anything about him like getting his DNA taken or being under sedatives or anything? There's just not a lot of hints about it. I feel like they may have when he was like in prison. That's the whole point that they cloned him while he was in prison. But there's also here's the okay, maybe I'll take it back. You're right. Maybe they did hint at it. Here's my question. Why? Like why why clone Pluto Nash? Like he's just a common criminal. Like he wasn't like a special criminal. I, I mean, I guess Felix Naranga would say differently that he was a very special criminal, but he's just a smuggler. It wasn't like a crazy like he was basically a knockoff hand solo. Yes, very much so. Who owned a club? Instead of a Chewbacca, he had a talking car that looked like John Gleese. No, he stole I'm, that car. No, well, actually, that's also not the, the proper uh, now, like uh, comparison. The proper comparison is probably Bruno. 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 <laughs> Boss. <laughs> Dude. Boss. <laughs> I what feel like it? this. I'm a six. Or I'm a seven. Is like model number. As a why he can't do things. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what does he say again? What, um, top speed. There's a really funny line about top speed. I'm at top speed. Yeah, no, but what's the line? Google it because we could definitely find it on IMDb. Come on, Jamie, pull up the clip. Come You'd on, be Riley. Surprised. Riley, pull up the clip. Riley. Come on. Did you know that pull the clip up Jamie is not actually owned by Jamie? It's owned by someone else. <laughs> what do you mean uh, owned by it? Like the domain, the website. Pull that clip up, Jamie. Is a website. It's a website. Yeah. Oh. This is definitely not a movie where they they pull quotes. There's definitely a quote on this one. There's oh no! Nine. I remember. I I remember it. I remember it. But I I will wait to see if you can find it before I say it. 
<laughs> I feel like quoting Bruno is me and you's favorite pastime. It's when we were in LA the last time visiting the crew, it was either quoting Bruno, like Bruno from Pluto Nash because they had never seen it, so they didn't know what we were talking about, or quoting the uh, Big Lebowski, which we did oh, yeah. fucking endlessly when we were bowling. <laughs> really tied uh, the room together. And uh, okay, so we don't have. We don't have top speed, but we have <clears throat> from Mogan talking to Bruno. Hey, Bruno, what are you? A 65? Model 63, the locks. 63, talk about agent. ancient. Your sister didn't seem to mind. <laughs> three out of three people found this interesting. I, uh, I remember the line now when they're running because they're running after Pluto after Pluto chases that guy who takes a single shot at him shot at him outside the club and then decides to run away which when we watched for another time I thought why the fuck did he shoot one time and run it makes it was honestly go back to the Han Solo comparison it's the same thing when Han Solo shot that fucking stormtrooper and they all ran in the other direction for no goddamn reason but so she's running what's the what's the woman Uh, Which one? The the, like Rosario Dawson. Yeah, Rosario Dawson's character. Um, she's uh, Dinah. Dinah, Dina, Dina. Um, every single goddamn time I look this up and I see budget a hundred million, box office seven point one million, I just my heart sinks a little bit for everyone involved. That's just the saddest thing ever. But like. This is such a, this is just one of those movies where you can just tell like 90% of the budget just went to the stacked cast. Yeah. Eddie Murphy, Randy Quaid, Rosario Dawson, Jay Moore. They're running after Pluto, after Pluto is chasing that guy that like, uh, like shoots at him once. She's like, is that how fast you can go? And he goes, I'm a 63. I'm at top speed. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he says. Oh man, he, Bruno's uh, the best Pam, part about Pam Greer is his mom. <laughs> Pam fucking Greer, dude. Br- what's your favorite part of that movie? Can we? Okay, so we really haven't talked that much about our two guilty pleasures. This is more just like a a podcast for habitual sake. Like me and Brian just wanted to catch up because we haven't been able to just talk normally for a while. Sorry to all our viewers, but please go check out these films. If you had to like. If you had to sell Pluto Nash to somebody, let's say that your job, you got hired by the production company to market this movie, like in its in its latter years, and it's 18, it's just become legal, it can do porn, like let's get it out there. Uh, what would you be your strategy? Why is this movie so worth seeing? Like even, because we even show people nowadays, like we still want people to watch this movie with us because we love it. Yeah. Well, the reason why well i when i talk to people about it i like to point out everything about it that's absolutely absurd and why like those reasons alone is why you should watch it because like because like you watching like yeah it makes sense why this bombed but it's also like ridiculous and hilarious that like or like either they thought this thing would be funny or like you know they think they thought like getting all these people together would make a good movie type deal but if I had to one scene, I got two in mind. Um, ones that make you laugh out loud. Ones that will make me laugh out loud because when you imitate them, they make me laugh. Uh, t- 
technically, well, technically it's I can't show one without showing the other. So it'd have to be the scene where they first get when they get saved by Felix Loranga. And then when they go to the casino towards the end and like the security guards take I know him, where you're going. I know where you're like, going. I know. Like, Who are you? You don't know my name? Because you're stupid. Oh my God, dude. This fucking thing we quoted to each other so much as kids. It's honestly, I remember when we were kids, when we were kids, we used we to get quoted into, all the time. Oh man. We used to get into a lot of trouble though for watching movies we shouldn't have been watching at my house. You remember that? And I will never forget. Like, this is a side note for all our listeners. I'm going to embarrass Brian once every couple of months. But, um, dude, do you remember watching The Musketeer? Yes, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, dude, I got in so much trouble. I got in so much. It didn't even make you a trouble. I got in so much trouble. Look how red I'm turning just thinking about it. I was so I was in so much I, trouble. I, I, my my mom had like to sit me. No deep. memory of that ever happening. But like no, I'm not surprised that it happened. Oh dude, no, my mom had to sit me down and have a conversation. Like you you gotta stop showing your friends these fucking movies. Oh my god. That wasn't dude. even a good movie, I don't think, was it? It wasn't. It was actually you know how that movie was billed? The first Western movie with a uh, Chinese uh, choreographer. Like, it was literally a French movie about musketeers, but with a kung fu choreographer. So, the fucking guys doing the sword fighting are doing kung fu. And I watched that later. That's another one. Actually, if I got to think about another movie like Pluto Nash, I loved that movie growing up. I fucking loved The Musketeer. The music is great. The fight scenes are amazing um, when you're a child. Uh, the movie so the, the music is so good just so you know that like when you go to Universal Studios in Florida like if you're on there for vacation they still play the music to that movie even though that movie really? just, yeah they do they play that mu- the music so like if wow. you walk through the park it will transition from like Jurassic Park into the Musketeer because it's actually just so fucking good and Tim Roth is in there which is so weird because everyone else is, is he not the Musketeer him. or is that no else? no he's the bad guy he's playing um What's the bad guy's name in Three Musketeers? Uh, wrote it. Wrote something. According uh, to this, it's Rushfeld, uh, right? Man in Black. In the Musketeer, yeah, but in the um, in the actual Musketeers, the book, which I had to read years ago because um, I made a report on it. Sorry, we're both playing Jamie right now. We really should get a Jamie at some point. Three Musketeer cast. I think his name is Rushfeld in the book and in the other movies. Character's name in the Musketeer. Um, I'm yeah. looking up Ferbre or something. The yeah, man in black. Febra. Febra was the name they Febra. gave Tim Roth. But in the actual book and the actual other movies, his name is Rushforth. So I don't know why they changed his name. Very weird. 
Uh, actually, Mass Milkinson plays him in the 2011 Three Musketeers movie, which also has a terrible rating, but I love it because I just like the Musketeers from growing up. Interesting. Huh? It's interesting. It's weird, though. I mean, it's just one of those movies that I just think back to and I really like, but it was just awful, awful, awful. Um, mainly because, again, they were doing kung fu with some, like, musketeer swords. It was just kind of weird. But I think going back to, like, why we like Pluto and Ash, it's, it's just a movie that, for whatever reason, it clicked with us. We liked it. We wanted to watch it all the time. And, you know, when you're a kid, you don't, for the most part, you don't really have that good of a lens on, like, if something's actually good or not, or, like, why you like something. Uh, and it's when it comes to, like, a movie. And if you really, really liked it, chances are if you go back and watch it, yeah, you might find the flaws and realize why it was crap, but you'll probably still enjoy it in some in some way. Not everything. Really depends. But if something that really hit home for you, like like the Musketeer for you, like if I went and go rewatch that, it'd be like, this is really stupid. Trash. I feel like I, if I still watch that now and I have recently watched it, like not recently, but like in the last five years, I still really love it. It's kind of like, well, I mean, you tried this, like you watched um, Time Machine, which was not good for you. Awful. You're saying that, so, you know, Kyle listens to this. So sorry, Kyle. Yeah. Hey, I, I told him it was rough. But but the music's good. Things. He was right about that. The music is pretty good. Especially the theme song. You just, you just grow up with it. If you grow up with like, it's such a, it's a different experience. Like you just, you, you hold on to that movie. You remember it as a kid. Like I was thinking about some movies that I watched as a kid, like recently that kind of fell through the cracks, not to get, bring us back to that month that I wasn't there for. Um, but do you remember that movie, Polly? Polly. Oh wait, yeah. What, what was that? P a u l i e. Polly. It's about a oh, it's a bird. It's about a parrot. It's basically Forrest Gump with a parrot. <laughs> it's like a parrot that's lived a crazy life, and he tells a janitor about it. <laughs> what in the name of God? Yeah, crazy. Oh, and Jay Moore is the bird. Tony Francis. <laughs> wait, Tony Francis is the bird? Yeah. No way. Oh, callback though. <laughs> Isn't he in um? Isn't Tony Francis in Jurassic Park 3? Or is that a different guy? Honestly, he might be. He was, for like a guy who I wouldn't label successful, really, he was in a lot. Jurassic Park 3. That's another one. That's just trash. That was a movie. Same. I was going to say, that was, for the longest time, the only Jurassic Park movie I've ever seen. Had it on DVD for reasons unknown, and I loved it. It's a good movie, man. No, that guy's Alessandro Novello, but he kind of looks like him. Look at a picture. I will. Kind of looks like him. What's the guy's name that plays Tony Francis? Jay Moore. Tony Francis. Oh, my God. That's a I love that the, <laughs> he just tells him, change your name to Tony Francis. All right. It's a good the, name. The, I still the inception of that name is hilarious. It's just a good name. Yeah, the whole beginning of that movie is ridiculous. Like, why would he be trying to pulk a thing on the moon? It makes no sense. And also, why are there fucking Italians on there doing mafia shit? Don't you think if we got to the moon, we'd be past that part of history? History repeats itself. <laughs> history repeats itself. That's so funny. 
That's that's honestly my favorite part of Sopranos ever is when they try to hold up like a Froyo place and the Froyo place goes, you're going to have to take that off of corporate. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a coffee place. It's a coffee place. And they go, seriously, if a single bean goes missing in here, it's my ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I don't know, man. As far as it goes, like I should rewrite it on our website that like Pluto Nash is my guilty pleasure. I could put the Musketeers or something mean, else because I mean, there's no you don't need to have a different one. I mean, it's very much so our guilty pleasure. True, but if I'm honest with you, you, you didn't steal mine, but you took the one I would take because Beverly Hills Cop Three is a movie I enjoy that I know is trash, but it ain't really like my guilty pleasure. I can't watch that all the time, and I feel like me and you get drunk on a regular basis and just think like. Pluto Nash time like that's a totally different feeling that's truly a movie that you love like you love Oscar Oscar winning movies (laughs) but it is so bad that it has like a three on IMDb and not even not even what does it have I don't think so honestly it might be oh I was thinking just crazy it's it's a four on Rotten Tomatoes Oh yeah, three eight on IMDb. Jeez, yeah, that's just crazy, man. That's just. Hey, you've seen the Pluto Nash Day skit, right? From Robot Chicken. Yeah, I have Pluto <laughs> Nash Day, and everyone kills themselves. <laughs> Not me and you. Not I, good sir. We live last two, that day. Uh, last two on Earth. Yeah. I just saw. Actually, just my friend, uh, my friend Carmine. We were drunk one time, and I basically forced him to watch it with me. He enjoyed it, I think. For the wrong the, reasons, but the sad thing uh, is, I've made so many people do that with our movies: get drunk and watch our shit, <laughs> like dilettantes. Yeah, <laughs> I do that a lot to people. But I also found out that his parents saw Pluto Nash in the theater, and they're like, "It was <laughs> horrible." They're part, of, they're part of the fucking. They're part of the uh, the the seven mil. Yeah. Oh they man, could you imagine at the, seeing that? At the time, it was probably ten bucks total. Could you imagine seeing that movie in theaters? I would fucking, I would love it. Dude, they have to bring it out for IMAX. Oh man, I hope that one day me and you are successful enough to just afford that movie in theaters. I feel like we should make a sequel. It can't cost that much, right? I feel like like we should make a sequel that's so good that people want to go see the first one. I've had this theory about Guy Ritchie's movie, Rock and Roll. Did you watch Rock and Roll yet? Yep. Okay, it's a good movie, right? Yeah. I really like it, but it, it box office bomb. That's why he never made the real rock and roller like he wants to. But Guy Ritchie, if you're for some reason listening to this, my theory is that you should make rock and roller or the real rock and roller like you planned because three of your actors in that movie are Tom Hardy, uh, Idris Alba, and Gerard Butler, who arguably have only gotten more famous throughout the years of that movie not doing well in theaters so make a sequel with those three guys starring right it's gonna fucking kill at the box office because it's a tom hardy idris alba film and Gerard butler but i mean i would say tom hardy and idris alba are bigger box office draws right now um it will kill and then people will be only invigorated to go see the first one because they want to understand what the sequel's about. So you're actually just going to make double cash. Like I know people, they usually get turned away by the first box office result, but for in this case with those like famous fucking people, you could easily 
just make that move, build that movie as the first one and then say, yeah. actually, it's the sequel to a second one. And then people will probably just go buy it on Amazon. You'd kill on Amazon. Right. It's just, yeah. As long as it's not named like rock and roll it too. Like you said, the real rock, rock and, and roll, roll or something yeah. like that. So then, then you're blown away that it's a sequel. Like right. a good example of this is the dark Knight. Like I feel like when I went to go see the dark Knight as a kid, I didn't realize that was a sequel to Batman begins. I didn't yeah, know me either. I thought they were two separate movies, like not totally. even same universe. Exactly. And then once I saw that uh, Dark Knight I, and I heard it was a fucking sequel, I immediately went to go see Dark uh, the Batman Begins. So you're just you just stand to make a lot of money. Like you should totally make that movie. And if the gentleman was any sort of, you know, affirmation, that's the fucking genre you should stick in, bro. Like that is your thing. Like. Yeah, I'm sorry, gentlemen's so good. Yeah, I'm sorry, but the fucking you know Aladdin shit is not for you. It's not your thing. It's just not. I think I like to imagine Aladdin was the paycheck to be able to produce the gentleman. I like to think that way too. Although I heard one of my friends really hated it because he thought it had no depth, and I think that the gentleman. Would, yeah, and like he said that none of the characters actually had any depth or, um, you know, like deep, like deeper, deeper, like. Than just surface level characters there wasn't any more just nuance in them. but i kind of disagree and think that it was just a return to form it's fun it's not meant to be taken too seriously the same way snatch isn't snatch is right. just such I was a just fun gonna say, like then then you this guy must hate all of his movies then because it's very similar in that way you're you're there to live in the moment with them there's there's no character studies going on it's just this guy's wild this guy's reserved blah 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 don't mess with this guy I think bad things happen we should do a month of just Guy Ritchie shit like that. I always, I'm always Adam down. On. I wish, man. We tried to reach out to Anthony Michael Hall and he didn't answer us, our audience. Well, that was his agent. That so was his agent. Yeah, his we agent went didn't answer us. Maybe. I feel like we could have gotten Anthony Michael Hall. Maybe we yeah. can get a Henry Golding or Goldring. Henry Golding. 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 Yeah, that cool. guy's way too large for us right now. Who knows? Dude, I was... I, I love the guy, and there's no offense to him by any means, but I was... When I went to go see Quiet Place 2, actually, there was a trailer. Too. Yeah. You did? What did you think? I liked it. I, I... Conversely, to your point, I think it had less plot holes than the first one, and I thought it was better. Oh, but we man, have to get I, into that. We're going to get into that once we hang up because I don't want to give any... What's the movie that Henry Golden is doing uh, soon? Well, no. that Well, that's what I'm getting at. So, the trailer was coming out. or there, There's a trailer that was playing before the movie started. And it was looking really badass. Like, he's in it. He's the main guy. It's all about, like, you know, like being a ninja. Like and all the sword fighting and cool stunts like and i was like oh wow this movie looks sick i want to see that and then i saw the gi joe logo and i saw <laughs> snake eyes and i was like fuck me i am not watching that oh man that's awful that's just so awful let's wrap this up and let everyone know what next month entails thanks uh yeah yeah guys if anybody who's listening has any guilty pleasures that they think that brian and i will watch there don't be ashamed we will watch anything go see pluto nash and understand the level we're bringing into this because pluto nash yes. is fantastic but it is trash we, we like the worst of the worst so your worst would be a golden turd on top of our shit I really cannot, I, I cannot stress enough that whatever you recommend cannot be worse than Pluto Nash.
But and we're serious nice. filmmakers. Exactly. We are not. We're not here to fuck around. <laughs> well, maybe. Um, next month, man. Uh, in three or four Wednesdays, I'm not really sure. Yeah, Wednesdays are the new release days, guys. I'm just letting you know as well. Um, this is going to be a bit of a different month. It's not that Brian and I either chose this month, right? It's just something that we're kind of excited to do, which I think is also a good time to do, especially what we're about to talk about when we're off the phone. Um, we're going to do a horror month. Ooh. Yeah, I was waiting for that. Come on. Now. Um, we're specifically going to focus on the films of Robert Edgers and Ari Aster. I hope I pronounced those correctly. And one wild card from Jordan Peele, either us or get out. Um, this is definitely not something that hasn't been talked about. So I'm sure you can find multiple podcasts that are talking about these guys, but I don't, like I said, I think it's a really good time to talk about them. And I don't think we're, I don't think Especially we're going to Midsummer approaching, right? Isn't yeah, that midsummer happening? approaching. I would say also that like A Quiet Place out, uh, another Conjuring film out, the um, Edgar Wright taking on his first horror yeah. film Ooh. coming out. Ooh, I want to see looks, that. Oh man, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. It's just, there's a horror renaissance going on right now where it's not about making B-level horror movies, which we do love, it, but there's also an, a market right now for making some seriously interesting thematic horror films that actually aren't that scary once you sit down and watch them, but can shake Stressful. you to your core, right? Psychological horror. Yeah, absolutely. Um, even given our conversation, our podcast a couple days ago that we did with um, some horror uh, filmmaking friends of ours, this seems like the really good way to go. So we're going to do five films, The Witch, The Lighthouse, Hereditary, and Midsummer. And no, we're not just going to talk about them like sometimes Brian and I do because Pluto Nash, we've seen so many times we don't have to watch it to talk about it, but we're really going to watch these again and we're going to watch them in the right setting to where we get fucked, just like we did the first time we saw him. In a garage. In the garage? Yeah, in a garage. You know where I watched The Lighthouse? Did I tell you this? Mm-mm. Oh man, so I used to live in uh, the old house that I lived in, it was like four floors, but my bedroom was the attic. So that like the last floor up. And when you went to my bedroom, there was like, when you walked up the stairs, there was this curtain, right? With like a picture of the Rembrandt, um, uh, like famous painting, one of Rembrandt's famous paintings. But if you pulled that curtain back, it was a really deep crawl space that you had to literally bear crawl through if you want to put stuff there, but it was really deep and really scary. And there was a bunch of shit back there, like stuff from my old landlord, um, bikes, suitcases, clothes, bags, like uh, bed frames. It was really deep and really terrifying. You pull this curtain back and it was fucking it, the place that a monster would hide. Right. Okay. So you went there, there to watch a movie. No, no, no. So I lived in this room. So when you came to my bedroom, this was part of it. And I wasn't, this was the place that they told me I could put stuff for storage, but then it was so filled up that I couldn't put anything there anymore. So I lived in this attic. Um, and the attic was like, kind of like a, uh, you know, like a roof shape. So like my ceilings went to the side and it was quite tiny and very dark and it could be quite scary when the lights were all off. And I had this, uh, TV that was, you know, the size of like a T uh, of a, of a computer monitor, not very big, but I watched the lighthouse in the pitch black in my attic on that tiny TV with the static 
with the black bars, four by three framing, it felt like watching it on an old TV. And honestly, I got to say, that's the way to watch it. It's not watching it in the movie theater. It's watching it in like this tiny little room with a fucking tiny little TV and getting sucked into it and seeing only just blackness around you. That was fucking crazy. Damn. Yeah. That that's ideal right there. I, uh, I, I also watched in a pitch black setting, but it was a basement and on a big TV. So not I would like recommend, that. I would recommend watching it on your monitor that you have. Cause I know you, you have a monitor there, watch it on something that size and like turn off all the lights around you and just sit there alone. And like this close, like as close as we are to each other, like really like almost like don't give your spit in your, yourself room. It's like the, like the, um, poster of poltergeist like from that the 80s like the little girl sitting in front of that tube tv oh, yeah, yeah. with the static that's the type of um scenario i set up for myself with uh with the lighthouse it was fucked up damn it was creepy all right i'll do that this time around the witch i wouldn't i uh, sorry the witch is actually not that bad the witch i just watch in the woods alone uh <laughs> The fu- bring a big extension cord out there to the woods. Hereditary just, man is the one I'm the most scared of to watch again. Oof. See, that was another one where like your like opinion of the movie for some reason, maybe I mean it, it was still a freaky movie. I wasn't not like terrified throughout, but I like like not only you, a lot of people just go up to me like, oh, I have nightmares from that movie. I couldn't like, I had to sleep with the light on afterwards. And I was like, really? And then I watched it and I was like, I went, I went right to bed after, but. Bro, that movie um, gets, how many times have you seen it? Just once. I will, I'm honest with you right now. That movie is, if you turn your phone off, you sit in a pitch black room and watch it by yourself. It gets worse every time I watch it. It gets more scary every time I watch it. So that one I'm really not looking forward to. That one's gonna really fuck with me. That one's like, uh, yeah, just horror in general is really just not a not normally my thing. Like, <laughs> sorry, you just you were doing that thing like to the shirt, so I felt like I could do something like. Um, no, that one is the one I'm the most scared to watch again. Um, Midsummer I only saw once. That's gonna be interesting. Um, really enjoyed that one too i'm excited to have tom on the podcast and uh, simon wants to join as well so um to our viewers we're gonna have a couple more people the next month um also stay tuned for the rest of our podcast this month which will feature some interesting episodes with other people and if you guys have tuned in you've already seen the james tobble one there should be a couple more out by the time this one's out so hell yeah cool guys well, all right well, that thanks note. for uh thanks for listening brian and i are gonna get out of here yeah see you guys on wednesday take care